Psalm 22. I, I like to go back and forth between the message and the NIV. I do my studies in the NIV, but um, as some of the women will know from a few of the times that I've spoken so far, a lot of times I'll read it in the NIV, and then I want to hear it like in my own language. Like I feel like the message is kind of like what I would say, like you know, if I was translating or whatever. So. Um, Maybe not a great thing, but that's what we're going to do today. So at times I will use the message. At times I will use um, the NIV, but we'll always have it up there. And so write down the scripture references, and you can go back and study these later. But um, it says, our children and their children will get in on this. As the word is passed along from parent to child, babies not yet conceived will hear the good news that God does what he says. That's an awesome word. Well, I love CSI. Don't get nervous. I'm going somewhere. I love CSI. I've been a fan since 2000 when it first started. And for me, it's Las Vegas all the way. None of those silly little imitations that they started. I love the idea. I I love forensics. I always said if I wasn't going to be whatever it is that I am, I would be a forensic anthropologist or, you know, I I want to be a crime solver. I want to get down and get the clues and figure things out. And I love the idea that you can be known by what you leave behind. A fingerprint, a hair, um, epithelials. See, I watched the show. Saliva. Um, Forensic pathologists can take a tiny little speck of a part of you and end up with a complete workup of your DNA. And justice will prevail because of that, at least on TV, anyway. But that's a, it's such a deep thought. You can be known by what you leave behind. You will be known by what you leave behind. When we have children, we can't choose the traits that we want for them and the characteristics that we want passed on, like you're making out a grocery list. Dear God, please let my children have my full head of hair, but not my full thighs. (laughs) You know, you can't do that. And um, from the moment that that baby is placed in your arms, the process of molding and shaping begins. And it's both exhilarating and terrifying at the same time. That's a huge responsibility. Um, if you can put 2 Timothy 1.5 up there, and this is the NIV, it says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Isn't that something? Generations from now, someone will be able to look at your great-great-grandchild and be persuaded that they know Christ because of something you did. What we do now sets into motion a chain of events that can be and most likely will affect generations to come. We are responsible. We go through our days in a fog A fog is what I feel like I've been in for the last eight years, just a fog of busyness and hurriedness and selfishness and lack of vision because we're trying to get through one day to the next when we have these, not even just children, we have our children if you're a mother, but if you're just a father or a person, um, you have people that you come in contact with that you leave your fingerprint on every day. You leave a fingerprint. You leave something behind, a spiritual fingerprint. And is it going to be passion or poison? Is it healing 
or is it hatefulness? So what will you leave behind? I'm going to give you um, three practices. I wanted, to be, I wanted to think of something that you guys could write down because I know it's kind of hard to just sit and listen. You want to be, you know, they say, I don't know, scientifically, like if you do stuff with your hands, it helps you stay awake. <laughs> so don't fall asleep, please. Um, I'm going to give you three practices that will help us leave behind God fingerprints on other people, whether it be your children, your coworkers, your friends, your husband, your wife, your um, just the, the lady in the grocery line. Um, number one is think thankful thoughts. Okay? That might seem like an odd statement. Think thankful thoughts. I'm going to give a shameless plug right now. I read a book um, called Cold Tangerines, and that's an odd name for a book. Uh, yes, we have a little grassroots effort moving through the church for um, Cold Tangerines. But I, 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 I hesitated to read this book because, you know, I'm, I'm busy like everybody else. But um, several of the girls had read it, and they were so passionate about it. And they were like, just read one paragraph, okay? So I read one paragraph, and I almost started crying. And I was like, okay, this book might be worth it. So as I started reading, every single chapter just resonated within me in a way that I absolutely was not expecting. And there, there's, one, um, there's one chapter in particular called Old House. And the author talks about, um, you know, she really thought that she wanted, her and her husband wanted to buy an old house because it has character. And um, so they did that, and they had a lot of work to do on this house. It was not perfect. It was very far from being perfect. And over time, as some of her friends began to get new houses and really nice houses that required very little work, she began to get jealous and began to resent her old house. And so there's a, there's a paragraph towards the end of the chapter where she says, um, you know, sometimes I go and I put my hands on the nubby walls and I run my hands across the, the crooked, uh, worn-out floors and I think thankful thoughts. And I imagine that that's what God does with me. He puts his hand on my head and he puts his hand on my heart which is old and ugly and does horrible things. And he doesn't expect perfection from me. And he doesn't expect me to be new and sparkly and shiny. And yet he thinks thankful thoughts about me. Mothers, do we do that to our children? Do we look at them and we put our hand on their heads and we think thankful thoughts? Or do we look at them and we see what we wish they were? We wish they were just a little bit easier. We wish they were this age instead of this age. We wish they could do this instead of that. Instead of looking at them for their imperfections, which they sense, by the way, can we just put our hands on their heart and put our hands on their head and think thankful thoughts? I think that is a practice that we can do. We can do that with our spouse. We can do that with our, our parents, our friends. I want to give you real quickly a list of scriptures to back this up because it's a biblical thing to think thankful thoughts. First Chronicles 28, verse 9. 
In the NIV, it says, For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. Sorry, I took part of that verse. Um, You can move on to Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth or on this earth. When we look at the people around us, are we thinking of them from a spiritual perspective? Are we thinking of them, our children, our friends? Are we thinking of them from an earthly, worldly, fleshly perspective? Or are we thinking of them from a heavenly perspective? Philippians 4, 8, I'm going to read this in the NIV, and then I'm going to read it in the message. The NIV says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I love it in the message, if you can flip over to that. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Do that, if you can go to verse 9, do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. I love that. And the last one, Luke 6, 46. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. What you think is what's going to come out of your mouth. And I'm not saying this to point fingers. I literally, I, I, I feel like a failure consistently. And people tell me, oh, you have such wonderful children. And I do. I do. I thank God for my children. But I can't tell you how poor of a job I feel like I do with them because I look at the word and I see what the word says and then I look at my life and I see what I actually do and it does not measure up. That doesn't mean we stop. I mean we keep going. Number two, if you want to write this down, your words, choose your words carefully. Your words can minister life or death in home and in public, not just with your kids, but everyone you come in contact with. Communication, you know, it's a funny thing. You say things one way, and you're thinking them one way, but the person who's the recipient of your communication hears it a completely different way, and it doesn't always jive, you know? So you have to be ultra careful with what you say because you leave a fingerprint on the soul of people that you talk to, what comes out of your mouth. Psalms 37, verse 30 says, the mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just. If you want to hurry up and just write these down, you can go back later and, um, and, and study them yourself. Psalm 49, verse 3, my mouth will speak words of wisdom. The utterance from my heart will give understanding. And lastly, Proverbs 13, verse 3, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Before I became a mother, you know, I I had all this list of things that I was never going to do. I was never going to say this, this, and that to my children, what I'd heard other people say to their children. I was never going to tear my kids down with my words the way I heard other people. Thankfully, not my parents. I, I will have to say my mom and dad were excellent. My mom's still with us. My father's not. But 
um, that is one thing, maybe, maybe even too much. Like, I don't, I don't know that my mom like really prepared me for the real world because she just would gush over me all the time. And then it's like, well, hold on a second. How come you don't feel like she does? You know? So, um, there is, there is something to be said for reality, but I don't think sometimes that needs to come from a mom. I mean, you know, just choose your words carefully. Number three. And this is very a, a trite little saying here, but remember that actions speak louder than words. There's a saying, kids won't always remember what you say, but they'll remember what you do. And um, it doesn't help our witness when we do that. It doesn't help our witness with our kids, and it doesn't help our witness with other people around us as Christians. Am I boring you guys to death? Okay, I feel like I'm just boring you. Um uh, Colossians 3, 1 and 2, we read it before with the think, thankful thoughts, but now we're going to read it in the message, and it has to do with your actions. Um, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Do, do you feel like that as, as mothers sometimes? I mean, I, I know there's other people in the room besides mothers, but it's Mother's Day, and so I'm going to speak to you for just a moment. Sometimes I feel like we're so busy just getting from point A to point B and making sure that everybody gets their three squares a day and fed and put to bed on time and things like that, that sometimes we just shuffle along with our eyes to the ground, absorbed with what's right in front of you instead of, as it says, look up. And be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Colossians 3:15 through 17. In the NIV, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body we were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Wouldn't that be funny if, like, that's really how we interacted with one another? Can you imagine? Like, good morning, Aaron. It's a beautiful day. I mean, it'd be ludicrous, but (laughs) no. Never. Never. I'm not a morning person. I think he would pass dead out if I did something like that. But, um... I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, but we'd probably get along a lot better. <laughs> Shh. Um, and then let's read that again in the message. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. That's an action word. Cultivate thankfulness. Thankfulness doesn't just happen, you know. You have to think about it. I, I got to a point where I looked up one day and I realized my kids are 8, 6, and 4. And I couldn't wait until they were 8, 6, and 4, you know, because it is easier. But I am so grief-stricken that they're 8, 6, and 4. I, I wish that I could freeze-frame them right now because I'm in love with them. And I think that being a mother, I get a little tiny glimpse of maybe how God feels about us. Very small idea of how God feels about us. But cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, 
have the run of the house. That would help, huh? Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Maybe we just all need to like incorporate singing time into our, into our daily, you know, we have dinner time and we have bedtime and bath time and stuff like that. Let's have singing time and maybe everybody will just be happier, you know. I just flung tears all, over, all across the room. Um, <laughs> let every detail <laughs> in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus Thanking God the Father every step of the way. Um, Penny, if you and the, the, the other people want to come on up, I've asked Penny to do a song um, that kind of relays the, the basic thought that I have today. Motherhood is a great source of guilt. It's, it's full of rewarding moments and moments of reciprocal love, triumphs, and, and a joy that cannot be put into words. But the simple fact that we are responsible for another human being, it can crush even the most confident of women. I mean, we all make mistakes. And honestly, when Aaron asked me to speak last week, um, I was like, yeah, you know, I... I I think I can do that. You know, I have all these thoughts going through my head and everything. Was it last week or like two weeks ago? I can't remember. I think it was last Saturday. And I am not joking you. From that moment on, my kids transformed into these little demons. And they have been driving me nuts. I have had no patience. I, at one point in the past week, I'm going to be totally transparent with you. I had my worst mommy moment ever. I mean, I'm deeply ashamed of this mommy moment that I had. And I was like, God, are you just trying to give me illustration after illustration? You know, what is going? You can stop now. I get it. I stand before you totally humble and totally just... Um, unworthy to relay this message to you. I need it. I'm speaking to myself. And I know, though, that this is what the Lord would have me say, and I know that God is a redeeming God. I know that it's very possible that we can pass on our mistakes to our children. And I want to be very careful when I say that because the blood of Jesus covers all that. It does. I'm not saying that that there's curses that, that Jesus cannot overcome. But I'm also saying that we have a responsibility. We can't just say, God will take care of that. God's grace will cover that. God's grace will cover that. And then we are left with no responsibility of our own. I don't think that's how he intended it. The truth is, we are responsible. And not just mothers, Christians, all of us. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, you have a responsibility. What are you passing on? What kind of fingerprint are you leaving on the people that you come in contact with? 
want Penny to sing this song. Let's just concentrate on the words. It talks about our own failures and how God overcomes that. And for generations to come, generations to come, we have a hand in changing the world through what we pass on to our children. To those I may never know No, I may never know To those I may never know It's a sobering thought People we may never know will have the benefit or the consequences of the way we conduct our lives today. And teenagers, I want you all to get that, too. You're still young enough that you probably haven't made as many mistakes. And if you have, God can redeem that. But you are in such an awesome place. You have choices. Take that very seriously. What may seem like a good idea probably is not and you can save yourself a world of hurt if you, you guys can stay up here for a second I just want to say one quick word to the men and I'm closing right now so we can all go be with our families and, and eat and stuff I was watching I never ever do this um, well not never ever but I rarely do this but I was watching um, TV last night TV preacher it was a woman and who I admire very greatly. And um, so I have a, a quick word to the men. Your day is coming next month. Relax. But I want to encourage you today as well. Um, what she said struck me. Um, and so I, I wrote it down really quickly. I wanted to relay it to you. Women are called to come alongside. If you think of that word, we're, we're called to come alongside. And if we're called to come alongside, then you as men, you need to step it up and be the man you are called to be. Because when you're not, you displace us. And I know that's a very anti-feminist statement. But if you'll look, it's also scriptural. When you don't do what you know to do, and I'm not saying every single man in here needs to be a preacher or anything like that. But as a Christian, you're the head of the home. And you are called to be close to God. Try to be closer to God than your wife. So you don't displace us. And I'm so blessed that I have a strong man. That God gave me a very strong, godly man. And I thank you, Aaron. It can also be a source of contention because I'm strong too. But that's okay. God knew what he was doing. <laughs> it's fireworks. Anyway, um, <laughs> I just want to encourage you men, rise and keep rising. It's a journey, and we're all on it together. Let's do it together. My last thought, and I just want to share a quick story. Don't go, oh, no, she's going to talk again. I'm a talker, okay? Um, I just, I want us to be unified. I want us to do this together. Don't get left behind. Don't let apathy or selfishness or attitude or, or anything else get in the way of us, us changing the world. We need to be sleek and effective, like aerodynamics. See what I'm saying? 
you don't want to be sticking out. You know, get this. I have a great illustration. Thank you to Michael Rollins. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were at a surprise party, okay? And the guy was getting ready to come in. Michael was getting ready to come in. So all of us crowded over by the garage door. There was like 30, 35 of us. And we all crowded over by the garage door. And we're, all, we're like, you know, like sardines trying to stay out of the way so that when he came in the front door, he wouldn't see us and we could surprise him. We're all standing back there giggling and everything, and all of a sudden we hear the garage door go up. So somebody goes, quick, over here. And all 30, it was hilarious because I was kind of in the back. All 35 of us started going like that. I mean, we all were just moving in perfect synchronization. Now, that was very helpful that all of us moved in perfect synchronization. If the person in the back had started moving or all the people in the back had moved and the front people hadn't probably would not have been very beneficial he would have walked in and seen this pile of people in the floor and that's not the kind of surprise that he wanted on his birthday but because someone said quick over here and everybody listened and everybody moved together it was very effective and he walked in and we surprised him We only had a quick amount of time, so we had to move together. Well, we only have a short amount of time, people. We have to move together. Jesus is coming back. What are we going to have to show for it? Does God look at us and say, over here, quick, through Aaron or whoever else has the pulpit, and we, in our immaturity, say, nah, let them go first, and if they don't die, then I'll jump on board. That's immaturity. Immaturity. 